What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam. The Braves are perpetually under 500 to begin the season. Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wackiest hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Pretty good. I realized I wasn't listening to you on that intro, though. Mm-hmm. What, what, what was my middle name? Uh, perpetually, un- the Braves are perpetually under 500. Kalal. Well, you're still wearing. Well, you're wearing your. Let's go 2020. 2020 Braves. My shirt, actually. Well, yeah, no, my shirt that you stole for like a year, but you know we won't talk about that. I didn't steal it. I borrowed it under the assumption that I could keep it. No, forever. you can't just have my shirt. Right, well, you know, you didn't say that. Well, it's, it's, it's assumed when you loan something to somebody that they will return it. It's different when it's your friend. Like, if, I think you need to say, "I want this back," but okay, I'll remember that from now. Enjoy on. it yeah, for now. Enjoy it for now. And I'll say, "Okay, friend." Communication is very important in life and in podcasting. I guess. I, I mean, it's the basis of podcasting. Right. I mean, it is literally, a, we are communicating our thoughts, however uh, limited they yes, may be. Yes, 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 yes. So Braves perpetually under 500, you say. Yeah. So are, are you concerned about the Braves? And we didn't we start 1-0? No, we started 0-1. We got to 1-1, though. We did. I don't think we've gotten over 500. I think we've hit 500 twice. I don't we, think we've we got, started against the Reds, right? Yes. I think we were at two and one, and then we lost the fourth game. You're right. You're right. So, so two and two, pretty much under five hundred most news. of the season. But also, it's like anyone who's panicking, and we're not getting into this yet because we, we've got some clerical things to deal with first. Mm. But like, it's a better start than last year. In general, I, I guess. Yeah. Um, and last year worked out pretty well. It reminds me a little bit of last year in terms of how things are going, but it's, I don't think there, there are some things to be worried about and there are some things not to be worried about. I think in the grand scheme of things, we don't need to panic at all around anything. Um, but there are some troubling things I will get into later in my usual pessimistic way, but there's also some very encouraging things I'll get into hmm. as well as I try to embrace newfound sight around having a level head, uh, with baseball in April. Like, I haven't gotten really worked up about any game. I did get kind of emotional during the Dodgers series a couple of times. But um, other than that, I haven't really gotten too high or too low. Well, that, that's a nice tease, Graham, and I look yeah. forward to hearing your thoughts later in the show. Sure. But first, we have to start with our fan mail segment. Yes. Which is one. getting a lot of letters recently. I know. Uh, this was an unexpected letter. As the last one was, but this is actually timely. I think I pulled it out of the mailbox. Uh, let's see, it was postmarked April 12th. Today's April 20th. I think I pulled it out of the mailbox Monday, maybe. Okay. So, and we didn't skip a week and forget about it. So No, not at all. Once again, it was from our friend Mark Andre. So, you know, Mark, don't freak out. Like, we're, we're doing it, man. Yeah. He said to open it at the beginning of show. But I don't know if he... Oh... Either spelled beginning wrong or it was a pun. Let me see if you spelled beginning wrong. Well, I mean, he definitely spelled it wrong. But the question is, did he do it on purpose? Two G's in the beginning of beginning. Yeah, that's definitely a begin. I don't think that's a pun. We should, we should, yeah. we should consult with our former pun master um, or mistress, I should say. Well, I thought he maybe like purposely put inning because of baseball. Like right, that. but that's how you spell. Yeah, inning is in there anyway. Right, yeah. yeah. So. There's like asterisks around it too. I don't know. Whatever. You're opening the letter. It's a thick boy. Man, that's like 
It's like a college acceptance letter or something. Which one am I supposed to read first? He doesn't say It's that. a good sign when the letter, the envelope's thick when you're uh, getting something. Oh, this usually. is stapled. <laughs> okay. So, first of all, <laughs> it's a nice printer, by the way. So, it's a, it's a picture of Freddy from his press conference uh, with, what's, who's that guy? The Andy Dodgers. Friedman? Yeah, the Dodgers GM. And he asked... To, uh, he wants me to hang this behind me so you have to look at it the entire recording. Hang this behind me. Or just put it next to your laptop. Okay. So we're going to do that, Graham. It is a brutal picture, right? He's too happy. This was when Freddie was in as kind of being a dick about the whole Dodgers Dad, thing. I don't think he was really that much of a dick. He had a couple moments. He did, but I mean, you know, the whole thing was, was weird for everybody, so I think we can forgive... Freddy uh, a little bit for being a dick. If you thought he was a dick. The other piece is, of course, another Bill Plaschke article with the note that's a good candidate for the next story time with Bill Plaschke. Titled, Remember the 1990s Braves, Dodgers Must Win World Series to Avoid Comparison. So we are going to save this, but I'm already like... No, we're already into it. I'm upset. Of course. Do you want to hear it now? Yeah, I mean, we're already <laughs> in it. Don't come back to it. The, we're, the minimum we lost. We were gonna, all right, let's see what Bill's got to say. This is an, Hearing this is as, is as inevitable as a Dansby Swanson strikeout. If I had just like, not read that headline, we could have saved it for later. We could have. Hearing, and there's like a ridiculous picture of the 95 Braves holding a World Series trophy, pointing at some Dodger guy holding a World Series trophy. Oh. Oh, it's like the Spider-Man meme. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Let me guess. Here's my prediction for this article. He's going to talk about Maddox, Smoltz, and Glavin, how great they were, how we won all these division titles, but we only won, only won one World Series during that time, and the Dodgers must win to avoid becoming a uh, failure, quote-unquote, like the Braves were in the 90s in terms of not winning multiple championships. Okay. That's my prediction. Pretty good prediction. Yeah. Starts with, this is getting silly. This is getting old. The Dodgers enter the 2022 season with surely the best team in baseball. Obviously one of the best in baseball history. Obviously one of the best in baseball history. You can't say one of the best in baseball history. And seemingly destined for a World Series title. I don't see how the Dodgers are that good. Okay, I will say this. The Dodgers have a great lineup. They have a great bullpen. And they have a bunch of really... And they you know have Walker Bueller and Urias and Kershaw still a good pitcher. Bueller ain't shit anymore. We hit him not against us, well, but he is great overall. Like, there's nothing wrong with saying the Dodgers can be considered a championship contender. It's asinine and ridiculous to say, you know, five games, ten games, twelve games in the season that this team one is destined to be the World Series champion, and even more ridiculous to say it's destined to be one of the greatest baseball teams in the history Obviously of baseball. Obviously, one of the best in baseball. That's just fucking bullshit. All right, that's two sentences. Uh, they have made the playoffs nine consecutive years, yet during that time they have only won one title in a 60-game season. Yes. That is not a dynasty. That is not history. That is not enough. Agree. How many more times can a team tease its city with April dreams that become October nightmares? How often can glowing spring predictions continue to evolve into dull autumn realities? Since Andrew Friedman became the president of baseball operations in the winter, blah, 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 he and Guggenheim Baseball Management have combined to spend more money and acquire more stars than anyone in the sport, Yet they have not won a title in a 162-game season. They have not survived a postseason with hostile crowds. They have not ascended to the heights for which they were built. 
Look at him being somewhat of a realist. Good point. Yeah. They're stronger than that. They're deeper than that. They're better than that. History has said they're not. That's what I say. Stronger, deeper, better. At least they should be better than Okay. Okay, Plashkey. Thus bolstered with four former MVPs and two former Cy Young Award winners and more combined postseason experience than any current team in any sport, the Dodgers embark on another star-filled summer with enormous expectations and a sobering challenge. So he's saying it's a must-win championship season. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, when you spend that much money. <laughs> Do they want a one-trick act like the Atlanta Braves, who won 14 consecutive division championships, yet captured only one World Series championship during that time? There's much debate about whether that Braves team constituted a dynasty. The correct answer is they didn't. I don't disagree with that. I think that's fair. I mean, having that run of consecutive division titles is great. Five national league championships, one World Series. But at the end of the day, the Yankees in the 90s were a dynasty because they won four or three World Series in the, in the 90s, and they won another in 2000. They were a dynasty. Dynasties are built on winning it all. So... Yeah, and I don't understand. So Dave Roberts said, we will win the World Series this year. Put that on the record. I'm putting it out there. I'm putting it in the universe. When later given a chance by reporters to walk back a statement, Roberts says he was standing by his words. Let me see if Plashke says anything ridiculous. It's a lot of Dodgers stuff, Graham. Oh, he's writing about the Dodgers. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, he writes for the LA Times. (laughs) (laughs) It's a long-ass article. Plashke. What's this, a novella? Mark Andre, this, this one's too long for air. I'm sorry. You know, their defeat at the Braves last season felt all too familiar. Another demon. Yeah, because we're better than them. Will Smith, one of the game's best catchers. Who cares? <laughs> okay, I'm, right. done, I'm done with you, Plashkey. Yeah. Let's get into this Braves-Dodgers series that did happen. Okay. Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's also say the Braves have not won a season series yet. They're 6-8. and eight. They've, they, they split with the Reds in a four-game set. They split with the Padres in a four-game set, and they've lost the series to the Nationals. And just now, today, as we're recording, April 20th, a series to the Dodgers. So we can talk about the Dodgers series and how predictable it was. One, that we'd lose it because we just suck playing in Chavez Ravine. Two, that Freddie Freeman would go deep for the first time in a Dodger uniform against the Braves, and he also did it today. Um, it was a frustrating series, Adam, for, for a number of reasons. It was... It really got under my skin watching the game on um, the first game, watching Freddie go up there in his Dodger blue uniform and actually seeing it in motion, not seeing pictures, not seeing highlights, actually watching it and how revolted and disgusted I was to see him (laughs) and how betrayed I felt in the moment. And that when he hit that opposite field home run and did his little licking his lips thing as he's starting to run around the bases um, or run to first base, my heart sank about as low as it sank in sporting related event at least probably god I don't know, probably since we lost the Dodgers in 2020 that's interesting Graham so after after this series you feel worse about the Freddie situation are you mad at Freddie or are you just like sad in general sad in general I'm not I'm, out. I'm not, not mad at Freddie I mean it seems like we've gotten a pretty clear story as to what happened um and it seems like you know Freddie's agents didn't do what he wanted or whatever, blah, blah, blah. He, he may trust them too much, whatever. I don't care. Um, but I'm just, I'm, I'm loving Matt Olson. We'll get into Matt Olson later. I mean, he's doing an amazing job offensively and defensively. But just seeing Freddie as a Dodger is even more, dev- you know, it's way more devastating than like Brian McCann going to the Yankees or Tom Glavin going to the Mets. You know, it's, it's just 
I can't even talk about it anymore. It makes me want to cry. Well, hearing... Did you see what Chelsea Freeman said on Twitter in response to someone talking shit about Freddie? Um, I, I heard that she was devastated when they weren't going back to Atlanta and something. I, don't, I hadn't seen anything concrete. Yeah, she, she said something along the lines of, they never offered the six-year deal... And the gist of what she was saying was that we were gonna like accept the five year deal when yeah. the trade happened. Hmm. So that's why they they were like, Yeah, he didn't get his terms, but we were still like coming back to the Braves. Interesting. And that just like wasn't made clear enough to Anthopolis. Um so it does all just seem like a massive mistake. Yeah, and just a miscommunication. I mean Chipper even said that. He was like, There's you know, it's a huge miscommunication. Yeah. Um beyond the ultimatum that the agents gave yeah. Anthopolis. But we've gone through this a thousand times. It is what it is. This is the reality. At the end of the day, you know, we, we do end up with, after watching Olsen play for a couple weeks now, you know, he's a beast. Oh, it's it's tantalizing. I mean... His at-bats are just unbelievable. The plate discipline is great. Um, it's like he's a Dodger or something. I mean, every, <laughs> every at-bat seems like it goes eight, nine, ten pitches. I think he took... Uh, he had a 12... Pitch like at bat against Bueller. Yeah, it's um, crazy. Beautiful at bats. He's able to hit the ball to all fields. He has monster power. Um, I'm I'm loving what I'm seeing from him. His his slash line is absolutely obscene. I mean, he's hitting coming into today's game, not counting today's game. He's hitting 413 uh, on base percentage of 534 and a slugging percentage of 652 with 12 walks. He hardly swings out of the zone. He's playing brilliant defense. He is the complete package. And uh, there's some crazy ass stat as well that he reached. He's like the fifth guy since 2000 to reach base 30 times in the first 12 games of a season. I mean, this this dude is the real deal. I know we can't get too high or too low on people, you know, in the first like two weeks of the season, but he was a real deal, you know, coming in from Oakland last year, and he's proving to just be an absolute, uh, just unstoppable force. The problem is he only has two RBIs because Eddie Rosario and Ozzie Alves don't really get on base and they shouldn't be hitting leadoff, but what can you do until Acuna comes back? Well, Ozzie's gotten it going a little bit here. Ozzie's got a nice power streak going for sure. But, um, yeah, I mean, in general, it's the plate discipline aspect that I didn't know about, and that's what makes you feel like this isn't just like a Chris Davis type who has like no. huge power numbers. Like no. just watching him, it's like, oh, this guy sees things so early yeah very impressive and from everything you're hearing that he's meshed with the clubhouse just beautifully really easy going guy uh fits in great and like it's both teams are better for it it's it was just like we we knew freddie was going to hit a home run against them i'm just glad that at least in game two the one game that we did win that jansen bested freddie yes. and you know got the save yeah, so that would have been devastating to get swept. Losing two out of three in LA isn't bad. I think we haven't won there since what, like 2015 or some crap something like, like that, that in the regular season. Yeah, it's like eight game losing the streak. So honestly, it's a bit of a victory to come out of that West Coast trip and play it around 500 ball. With, yeah, uh, it's just it's frustrating when the Dodgers in, in LA series always seem to kick our ass. Though it's like even if we can squirt a game out, it's like for the most part they're in complete control. Um, I hate I just hate seeing that. Um, but it's still very early in the season. But yeah, I guess we. I mean, other than other than that second game, though, I mean, those, those guys were putting together the at bats that you wish we could put together, um, scoring you know timely runs, pitching really well. Um, but but Max Freed, 
was unreal in that um, in his start last night. Pitched, I think, seven innings, faced one over the minimum. Um, had a perfect game going through like five innings or something like that. Which which Chip Carey had to mention after every single inning. Of yeah. I, Does he do that on purpose? Well, he, he's, he's just... Like anyone that knows baseball knows that's not something you do. Well, it's not something you do, but it's also just annoying. It's like we know. We're watching the game. He keeps saying, oh, he set down 15 in a row. He set down 16 in a row. It's like you, you're saying that after every bag. I got it. I got it. He also did a... I can't remember who it was, but... It was somebody on the, it was like the Padres or something, and he was just like, and uh, the perfect game's over for you, Darvish. And it was like the first inning, and the second <laughs> batter got it. I think Olsen got a hit or something. I was like, what the fuck? It's not funny. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, I, I think like, he was just being silly. Well, yeah, but I don't like, it's just, it's such a bad joke. It's not even like a dad joke. It's like, a, I want to throw myself through a window joke because it's so bad. Mm. Uh, it's, it's pathetic. Um, we all know Chip Carey is... Is, is, is not a great announcer and he brings everyone down around him including his his audience um but <laughs> like it's a, that's a one-star review if i've ever it's a big one-star review it's just like the guy that said we don't do timestamps in our uh in, in our show notes oh screw that guy sure which we started doing now we've kind of gotten away yeah, from it's it too much, <laughs> it's too much work <laughs> you have to go back and listen to the episode and say you start talking about the hawks here and the braves here ridiculous anyway um <laughs> Yeah, so Matt, we've established Matt Olson's a beast. Let's get back to Max Fried. Um, some people were concerned after the first couple of starts that he had like a 5-6-3 ERA. Yeah. But the truth in the matter was is that he, uh, going into that start last night, I think, had a 1.88 whip. Or not whip, FIP, excuse me. Fielding, fielding independent pitching, which measures everything a pitcher can control, which is walks, strikeouts, and home runs. And that was measuring out at like point. Five eight or something, just absurdly good. And that's a great. That's kind of like an ERA and FIP numbers are kind of similar. You know, they measure different things. So that's just another reason why ERAs are kind of they're not like total bullshit. But you got to look beyond that. That first game against the Reds, he was getting dinked and dunked around. Sure. You know, no big deal. Same thing with I think his second start was against uh, Washington. Mm-hmm. You know, once again he wasn't really getting hit hard. Um, and then he just goes in and just shuts down arguably the best lineup in baseball. Um, he, he is going to have a great season. He was just getting a little unlucky. So things he could control were working. It just took, you know, him also getting a little sharper with his stuff. And it was interesting last night how he also wasn't throwing consistently like 98, 97 like he was in those first couple starts. He was toning it down to 94, 95. Yeah. There was more control. All his pitches, the movement was better seemingly, even though he was still pitching fine on those first two starts. But last night was just an unreal effort. Yeah, he was a little, I think he was probably a little too amped up in those first games. He doesn't need to live at 98. No. Like, he can get there if he needs it. Yes. Like, it's not saying don't ever do it. But it doesn't add anything. Yeah, he, he was he was an absolute stud last night in true Max Freed bulldog mode. And he's never won in L.A. He's been notoriously very bad there. Oh, yeah. even Especially last year in the NLCS, he just got absolutely destroyed. The control was terrible. Yeah. So Hit, it, like, two or three guys. He was just all over the place. That was great to see. Um Speaking of guys that need to be re-signed, like, I think Anthopoulos is going to regret not getting to him and Austin Riley early. Yeah. Hopefully, maybe they can work out something this, this year. Yeah. Because um, those guys are cornerstones you want to continue to build around. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about your boy Dansby, Adam. He is uh, in a really bad spot. Still playing good defense. Going into going into today's game against Los Angeles, he had struck out 21 times in 13 games, 
which means he's striking out a little over two times a game. That's the average. Uh, there was an interesting article written by Dave O'Brien in The Athletic, I think last week, about how Matt Olson cut down on his strikeout rate by using this weird pitching machine that wasn't actually pitching baseballs, but pitching um, balls that weighed less. Um, and he would move the pitching machine. It was made for like 10-year-olds, and he moved the pitching machine closer, and he would, he would uh, elevate it or lower it, and basically different angles the ball would come in from the pitching machine. And he was and that for whatever reason, that training helped him cut down his strikeout rate. He went from striking out like 30% of the time to like, now it's like 10% or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he learned this from Tommy LaStella, former Brave, who used that. And that's why Tommy LaStella is such a consistent hitter. Even though he's not anything amazing, he doesn't strike out at all. Um, Dansby Swanson was interviewed in the article. And he's like, clearly it works for him. You know, everybody has their niche. And then, you know, it's like, Dansby, your strikeout rate sucks, dude. Like, not even just this year, but, I mean, he struck out like 167 times last year. And he has struck out 120 times or more in each of his full major league seasons. So not counting 2020 or 2016 when he came up and, you know, played in like August and whatnot. He has always been terrible with striking out. And, you know, it was posed to him, do you want to try out Matt Olson's uh, pitching machine to maybe help your strikeout rate? He's like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. He straight up, he did say no? Yes. He's like, no, that's not for me. And it's like, well, something needs to change, dude. You are pretty much an automatic out every time you come up to the plate right now. I mean, and, and, he, he, and this is, like I said, it's consistently happened throughout his career. He, he, he strikes out way too much. But at the end of the day, like everyone knows, Dansby's a very streaky player and starts notoriously bad. But why don't you try to do something that might, imp- especially when like the proof is in the pudding. Matt Olson would not have gotten the deal he had gotten if he was still, he was more of like a Chris Davis type from yeah. the Orioles. Now he's, now he's a complete player. Why wouldn't Dansby try to do something to change up what clearly isn't working? I want to put Dansby's strikeout numbers into context. You said he struck out at least 120 times a year. Yes, and he struck out 167 times last year. Guess how many times Tony Gwynn struck out in his entire 20-year career? Um, Very few times. I think he's never struck out more than 100 times in this season. In his entire 20-year career, he struck out 434 times. Holy Christ. An average of 21.7 strikeouts per season. I mean, that's unreal. That, that's ridiculous. Yes. So like, It's a little unfair to compare him to Tony Gwynn, but... I'm, I'm just saying, though, it's like... Yeah, obviously Dansby isn't Tony Gwynn, but... It's like, I feel like he just so casually strikes out, and it's like, well, you know, I'll hit a homer every now and then. Yeah, and... You know, he hit 27 home runs last year, you know, great, but it's also like there's just so many times he looks so lost at the plate. And, uh, you know, he's in a contract year, I think. He it's, is. That's, that's why you, you would think that he'd be looking for anything he can to improve on that because yeah. like, there's, there's no way Anthopolis is giving him a big deal. Hell like, no. I could see, like, us bringing him back, but, like, not for – He's not getting a big no, extension. No, and there's part of me that wants to see if there's someone that can come in, uh, you know, that's a, a premium shortstop that can play good defense and can also hit the ball. Oh, so you want a great shortstop? Yeah. You just want someone that plays really good defense and hits really well. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. That, because a like, lot of teams are probably like that. And I don't know. I mean, Dansby, let's think about it. He's the number one overall pick in Vanderbilt from Vanderbilt, traded for him. All these expectations were shoved upon him. 
and it gets you thinking. It's like, was he overvalued? Um, or is, you know, was this the person he was already, you know, always going to be the player? He was always going to be a great defender, but a sort of subpar hitter. Or did the hype and all that bullshit from like four or five years ago kind of get in his head? Because, I mean, I remember in 2016, he took the league by storm. I mean, he came up that last season in Turner Field, and it was like, holy shit, we got like the future of the franchise here. And he was never like Ronald Acuna, though. No, but he was hitting it's really well. He, he, he was hitting really well. He didn't have the, the, the power, or he wasn't going to be like this ultimate five-tool player, but it was like you could see him being like a, a Jeter kind of player or something like that. Yeah. Somebody who was a leader, somebody who was consistently hitting, you know, 280, 300. That's kind of unfair to say that after he only played, like, what, 50 games or something in 2016. But as a fan, when you're going through a rebuild, you grab onto anything you can hold on to. And uh, it's just sad to sort of see where Dansby is right now. You know, he has come up with huge moments offensively. He's always been a great defender, obviously a great guy in the clubhouse, but... I mean, every time he comes up to the plate, I I, I start laughing because I'm like, here comes another strikeout. I was cackling like a maniac right, last night. Right now, yeah. But like I said, very streaky. We know that he's got that clutch gene. He's a guy that you like to see come up in the eighth inning. Not in April. No, not in April. He's an October player, baby. Had one of the most clutch home runs True. of last year's playoffs. Yeah. He still didn't have a great postseason, yeah, though. So but. Let's stay away from making any grand announcements. Yes, but I think we can consistently say Dansby strikes out too much. We've seen that over the course of his entire career, and it's a huge problem that he doesn't seem to know how to fix. And even when a a potential opportunity is presented to him on a silver platter that's helped a teammate of his become one of the premier top three first basemen in baseball, he's like, no, I don't want to do that. Shake it up, man. He's still a very young guy. He could he could transform him as his game. He's got the talent to do yeah. it. I think it's just well, it's just disappointing. Maybe Olson will rub off on him. Maybe. Um, let's talk about Marcelo Zuna, Adam. Killing it. Four home runs so far. Five seventy seven slugging percentage going into today's game. Um, you know he hasn't been walking at all. Really, as a sub three hundred on base percentage, but he looks uh, really dialed in. He looks like. 2020 Ozuna, so that's that's good news. I came came in in shape after playing in the Dominican League all winter, and you know his his defense hasn't killed us. It's obviously no. not good. It was funny, Graham and I went to was that the first series of the yeah year? Friday. This is the second game of the season. Yeah, yeah. just like any time there was a pop up, we were sitting in left field, and just any time there was a pop up, it was like. Always an adventure. Yeah, like he never he never looked competent. No, but horrible he, routes. But he always made the play. He made the play. Yeah, he made the play. But like, I mean, if he ever has to throw it anywhere, that's an issue. And uh, you know, he never made an exceptional play. But I, I feel like his hitting will be even better once he's the DH as well. Yeah, because he can just focus on that yeah, more. Yeah. yeah, for sure. But, but um, no, I mean that's that's been huge. If he yeah. came in just struggling, we we'd be in. Some real pain, right? Yeah, now. I mean, the lineup's very top heavy. Um, you know, pretty much Ozzy, Olsen, Riley, and Ozuna, and Darno are really the only guys you can really rely on. Everyone else, Arcia, baby, Arcia has been great, but you know he wasn't getting as. I think Arcia should be in the lineup every day until Acuna comes back. There's no way you can keep him out. He's hitting the ball too well yeah, right now. I, I think but that's fair. everybody else has been very either terrible like Dansby or Rosario or just like middling, you know, Duvall um, has been kind of like, eh, 
he hasn't really gotten it going yet. Um, Dickerson has been very poor. Dickerson. He's like, hit the ball hard a few times, but yeah, he hasn't really. He's get, not going to last. No, though. he's not going to last. Um, <laughs> he has had some awful luck. Yes, but even so, it's like you just he doesn't profile to be a guy that you're going to uh, rely on. Um, so it's just like we really need um, the bottom of the order to get things going because like it's 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 just sucks to get past Darno and then be like, well, no one's going to. And that's one of the reasons that Matt Olson only has two RBI. The guy's gotten like 20 hits or something, but no one's ever on base. And we've done something ridiculous. Like, I know we're leading baseball in home runs, like with 16 or 17 right. as of last night. They're pretty much all solo but home runs. The last 15 have been solo home runs. Yeah. The first homer of the year was a like two-run shot. Yeah. Like, no one gets on base. Or when someone does get on base, it's like... We can't like we left a shit ton of runners on base last night. I think twelve against LA. We should have scored yeah. seven or eight runs in that game. Yeah, they're not fully jiving yet. That's all right. You got to you still feel good about the bullpen. Um, you gotta love the young pitchers. Oh, Strider. Let's talk about him. Yeah. Uh, he has a one ERA, one WHIP, over nine innings, eleven strikeouts. He has walked six. You like to see him bring that down a little bit. He's only given up three hits though. He locates his stuff in impressive fashion. He's able to go all over the zone, stays out of the middle of the plate for the most part, consistently throwing 99 or 100 with movement. He's got pretty good off-speed stuff. Um, I'm kind of wondering if you want to give, if you potentially give him a shot in the, in the rotation. I like what they've been doing so far with Elder starting the game and then Strider, since he stretched out, throwing three or four innings after him. Mm-hmm. As like Elder has been, he's the guy who throws. He's more of a Greg Maddox type. He's got five good pitches, and he throws them all. Like, none of them are plus pitches, but he locates them well. Yeah. And so when you have him going, hopefully five innings, and then backing it up with three or four innings of Strider throwing 99, it's pretty lethal. Yeah, it totally changes the perception of the lineup, right? You go from a guy who's, you know, all, all these – there's not really a great uh, differentiation between the miles per hour and all of Strider's pitches, but like you said, he mixes them well. Locates them pretty well. Was a little wild in the San Diego game, but he, I was impressed with the way he battled through that. He's only had like what three starts, and he wasn't really pitching that well. But he he gutted his way through. Elder, yeah, he's only had two starts, yeah, yeah. So like was I was second career appearance. Yeah, I was really impressed with. I think he gave up a couple runs early and then really settled down. Yeah, I mean a, a less mentally uh, tough pitcher would have folded there. So yeah, I mean, I think maybe you don't mess with success right now but that being said Huasker has been sent down to AAA so is there a gap now in the rotation well we, we had five I mean we had six starters going right. so that cuts us to five but they also brought Tuki back up right but I, I just don't I hope they don't do this like constant up rotating down. of guys especially with Tuki and Huasker Maybe Wasker does need more reps in AAA. I think he needs another pitch. I think for Wasker, it's like he's got a very good fastball, and his off-speed th- pitch is, is is okay. But he needs he needs to have one at least one more plus pitch. I think to really survive at this level, there was really no sky report on him last year. He sort of snuck up on everybody. Was able to get by a lot on his fastball. Um, you know, I don't think he's got the stuff right now to really hang around the big leagues as a starter. If you want to move into the bullpen right now. 
Well, he's got the stuff. There's no doubt about his well, stuff. Well, he hasn't developed his stuff enough, I don't think. He needs another I, pitch. I think it's a control issue with him. I think he needs another pitch, though, because people are able to key in on those two pitches. Well, it... Even Kranitz was saying he needs to develop his changeup yeah. somewhere. I mean, I think for him, especially with Luke Jackson being out, I feel like that's a big arm we're missing, a big right-handed arm. Selfishly, I would love to just see him be in the bullpen the rest of the year, and I think he could develop into like a really high-leverage yeah, guy. Totally. I mean, you see that for an inning. I mean, he had a couple of good innings last night yeah. against the Dodgers where he was really, you know, after he gave up the home run to Freddie, he was really mixing his stuff up, and then once they'd seen him a few times, or even twice, it was like, okay. They kind of uh, started to unload. But, but it's certainly going to be a mix and match, especially early on with the shortened spring training, and they finally get their first off day tomorrow. Yeah, they haven't had one off day yet. Needed. Yeah, definitely need an off day uh, before the fish come in town. Um, Sean Newcomb's done at him. Thank God. Now, I said in our previous show, our last show, I was like, why are we even doing this? I mean, there was no point in bringing him back up. Who cares if someone else picks him up if he's out of options? That was the whole reason. It was a stupid last-ditch effort. It's like when you're ready to, you know, break up with someone, but you go out with them one more time just to see if they can pull anything out of their ass to save a relationship. Then you, you end it anyway. It's like you're wasting everybody's time. Get them out of here. Move on. It's done. Didn't we have some sort of bet on Sean Newcomb? I don't think we—I think we both said he was going to be off the team by the end of April or beginning of May or something, yeah. so I don't think— No. We did not. I think we were pretty much on the same page. Yeah, I think there. we were both done with him. I mean, it's been, it was like 2016. He's the Fulte era. Yeah, yeah, I mean, when he was really pitching well, it was 2018. He like almost no hit the Dodgers. And then ever since then, all downhill. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he's done. Let's get Tukey back up here. Dylan Lee. Started World Series. World game. Series starter. Darryl, so Dylan we Lee. got a lot of young options. Someone's gonna someone's gonna take it and run with it. I, I really like the makeup of Elder. Uh, I mean, it is just cool that Elder and Strider both drafted in 2020. Yeah, they made both, they're both up here ready. Incredible to go. progress. Yeah, you don't see that very often. It's usually at least three years before. A well, they're, they're both college up. guys as well, so that's kind of a trend. Uh, Bryce Elder out of Texas and Strider, the Clemson guy. Um, they're seasoned and ready to go. They they don't need, you know, four or five years right in the minors right like some of these kids drafted out of high school. Um, so those are two guys I'm excited to continue to watch all year. And you know if if I could see for whatever reason I just like Strider in the bullpen. Like I think he could turn into a real high leverage guy. And I don't know if you read that article about him and Jansen and he was talking about how like huge Jansen has mm-hmm. been just as like a mentor already. Yeah. Um, I mean, that bullpen's just got a lot of veteran guys Yeah, that can really... That's why I think Waskar, just let Waskar sit down there with Will Smith and Jansen. O'Day. And O'Day. And um, what's his face from Tampa Bay? Uh, McHugh. McHugh. Yeah. You're going to learn a lot. Yeah. No, I think I think Waskar belongs in the bullpen. I'm still an advocate of Spencer Strider rotation. I like to see him in a full start and see what he can do. Um I just get scared of starters that throw a hundred. When you got movement like that, I mean, I was my my mouth was opening like jaw drop multiple times that first appearance. I was like, "Holy shit, this guy can pitch!" I'm I'm ready for. I, I want to see that, man. I want to see that in a full but start. Can, can you do that for seven innings every let's, five days? You won't know unless you give him a chance. I mean, Snicker is very impressed with him. 
So he, yeah. he's he's not going anywhere. No. Oh yeah. No. He's. I think what end of April rosters go from twenty eight to twenty six. He'll be here. Yeah, he's going to be here for sure. Both those guys are going to be here. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't. I don't know about um. Poor Dickerson. I think Dickerson's done. Dickerson's just like that name. It's such a mediocre name. He looks very mediocre. His batting stance is very mediocre. I took one look at it. Yeah. I was like, this guy's just mediocre. If we want to comment more on Alex Dickerson's uh, physical appearance, I went to the game on Saturday, the day after we went to the game on Friday, and some fans sitting behind me were like, man, look at look at little Dickerson. He looks like my grandpa. He just said, it was, I don't know, it was, I was like, that's a very odd comment. Was it his posture? It was like his, he just looked like an old soul, I think, was yeah. the guy sort of, I don't know, it looked like he was just not a ball player. I don't know, you look at a guy like, that's a ball player. You look at Alex Dickerson, it's like, doesn't no, seem like a ball player. You know? no, he, he doesn't have that look, and and I realize he's had some success in the majors, but I'd rather just bring up Preston Tucker, who's in a AAA right now. Let him get a couple weeks. Maybe. We need something. I mean... Been very impressed, like we talked about, Arcia. Heredia has played really hard. He has, you know, the stats don't really bear oh out. God. Heredia getting out of that pickle was beautiful. Was awesome. Yeah, was so, I was like, who pure, gets out of a pickle no, in no the major one. leagues? Pure effort. No one. Yeah, pure hustle. Um, hit a home run off Clayton Kershaw for Christ's sake the other night. That was really cool. Um, love what Heredia is doing overall, even if the stats don't really bear it out. He's a max effort guy. He's doing his job. He's doing. He's doing what's expected of him. And I'd say a little more in terms of providing that spark, not just in the dugout, but on the field. I mean, if you're not pumped up by seeing him beat a pickle, <laughs> then, you, you you know, I don't know what the hell you're you're looking for. Yeah. No, that, that's that's the most fired up I've been all year watching the Braves already getting out of that. Yeah. Um, Jansen has looked really good overall outside of that first appearance. I remember when we were <laughs> at his first appearance, we were like, Oh Jesus! Yeah. He looks terrible. He get like what four runs or something? Yeah, he almost blew. Uh, it wasn't a save situation when he came in. No. Uh, but yeah, no, he's been, he's been, Canley Jansen. Yeah, very sharp. Um, the cutter's cutting. The velocity is is good. Um, impressed with what he's doing so far. Um, you know, especially after that first outing was so like disastrous and then he just comes back and it's all business after that like, mm-hmm. like this guy knows what he's doing he's been one of the best closers in baseball for the last 12 years so um i think that pretty much wraps up our braves coverage for now unless you have anything else you want to hit on uh i noticed you dropped rosario in fantasy oh, yeah we haven't talked about rosario i feel like awful you, you quit on guys way too early i do i quit on dansby too yeah. dropped done like Rosario has started to look like Rosario the last couple of games. He just needed to play the Dodgers. Yeah, like he's he's going to be fine. When he dropped that ball the other His week. His defense has been bad. Holy Christ. Yeah. I think that's the big, like, I think the things that we were concerned about going into the season, the outfield defense, and to a degree the rotation, have kind of showed up as, as warning signs, particularly the outfield defense. I just don't think Duvall in center field is... Duvall's fine. Like, he's been fine, but I like. He's the last guy I'm worried about defensively. It's a lot of wear and tear, man. It's fine. He's an, he can, he can do it. I got full faith in uh, in Adam Duvall, but I still think we make a move for an outfielder before the season's over. I think it's going to happen. I think it has to happen if we want to really compete. Because like, a guy that can play good D. Throwing Acuna in there is going to change everything, though. 
I think when he comes back, oh yeah, we should talk about that real quick. When he comes back, I think the team's going to get a big boost for a lot of reasons. I think they say May 6th. I think he's coming back like possibly this weekend. Well, he started his first game on Tuesday with the Stripers, got a double, opposite field double off the wall. I think he's moving totally fine. Um, got a walk and a stolen base today. I think he's back this weekend. Could be. Um, I think they're going to take their time, though. I don't know if May 6th, but I can see him coming up like 1st of, of April or something. But if he's playing baseball down there, what's the difference between playing down there and I think it's here? just wanting to make sure that he's he's good. Watching that he's moving well. There's no, um, you know, he hasn't dinged up anything. That he's back in the flow. When you feel comfortable that player's back in the flow of things, that's fine. He DH. looks like he's back in the flow. Let him DH this weekend. I mean, I'd, I'd be all for it. Yeah. But I can understand them wanting to be cautious with, you know, this is our guy. He also posted uh, on Twitter a big picture of King Kong, I think, looking at a helicopter like he was just going to destroy it. Uh, and I think baseball is about to just get punched across the face um, when Ronald Acuna returns. This guy is so ready. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a huge jolt. And then just having like Ozzy further down in the lineup, hitting like fourth or fifth. Ozzy needs to hit fifth. Duvall's going to be like a seventh guy. It just lengthens everything yeah. so much. And it makes the bottom of your order more dangerous, which is something that needs to happen. As we mentioned, we're so top-heavy right now. Especially today with Austin Riley going on the paternity list, didn't even play. You've got Today they could have put Max Fried out there as a DH. Yeah, you could have. You know? Um, I kind of miss him hitting. I do too. He's the last National League pitcher to win the Silver Slugger Award. Over, I mean, I, I guess I don't love the DH right now just because our lineup... Isn't deep enough to handle it without Acuna. Yeah. So we've had. You're going to love it when Azuna. Dickerson, but yeah. Yeah, when Azuna's the regular Azuna DH. Yeah, we'll, we'll be good to go. Yeah, I think that's yeah. all I got. Yeah. Uh, let's take a quick break. Here, a nice message from our friends from DraftKings. The NBA playoffs means next level basketball. Get in on the first round action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets instantly. You win no matter what. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on NBA hoops with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Plus, each day of the first round, get a risk-free bet of up to $10 if your same-game parlay does not hit. So here's what you need to do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN, bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game during the first round of playoffs and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TPPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, Adam, we're back uh, to talk about, I want to say the Braves segment was depressing, but, you know, Sort of even keeled. Grab, think back two months ago. We didn't know if we were going to have baseball at all. The lockout seems like a distant memory at this point. We're World Series champions. That yep. whole we never mentioned the fact that that whole first week was kind of weird with all the like, lots of pageantry things centered around the World Series and the, like, the ring and the. I was at the ring ceremony on Saturday night, and that was really fun. Um, seeing everybody get the ring, it was just I don't know. You could tell the players were really into it. Yeah. Um, you know, you, it was so weird, the orders, like you'd have like the massage therapist go up there and then 
Alex Anthopoulos was next. And I was like, oh. It is shocking how many of these rings they gave out. Like, I think I saw they cost like twenty five grand each or something like, like that. They're valued at fifty thousand dollars. Maybe the player the player ones are that much, but I think they have like some lesser ones that are. But anyways, like so. I think everybody got the same ring. My old boss Ryan Stoltenberg. That doesn't sound Gwinnett, like a real person. With the Gwinnett Stripers, like he got a ring as well. Yeah. Like everyone in the organization got a ring. That's good. I saw Walter Meggs got a ring. So like Liberty Media really opened the straps. For these rings as they should it's crazy though it's like well that could have bought freddie freeman's sixth year yeah it could have or you could you know donate that to some charity but what hey, i don't i think they're a little they're overindulgent i think i mean they're cool but it's also like a little ridiculous it's like does it need to be that freaking fancy does it need to have 755 you're not wearing that out whatever yeah of course not I mean, Jock Peterson will be, I guess. Oh, Jock did says he's going to, like, wear that around his neck. Is he getting his in Atlanta? I hope, I hope so. Yeah. I hope him, Solaire. We know Freddie's Solaire's getting his. Solaire's getting his this Friday. Okay. Yeah, so if you're going to the game Friday, make noise for Jorge. I hope we trade for him at the... I think I think it's a, it's a possibility. <laughs> yeah. We know how the, the Barlows operate. Yeah. Anyways. We'll give with... him a shitty catching prospect. He'll give us Solaire. Yeah. yeah. Done with the Braves. Yeah. It is playoff time, Graham. Generally, that would be what we talk about at the beginning of a show during the playoffs. But this Hawks team just hasn't grabbed us this year. No, it never, it never has, and they likely never will. Um, they're down two nothing to Miami. They got absolutely destroyed the first game. It's like one fifteen ninety one. That was an unfair game. They it was ready. after the playing games. So they they crushed. Then don't go into the playing tournament. They crushed they Charlotte. Them. They did crush Charlotte. I admittedly was camping for the Friday night game. Did you watch that game? The game against Cleveland? Cleveland yes, yeah. it was uh, the Trey Young show in the second half. The whole uh-huh. team was struggling, especially when Capella got injured. And then Trey Young just literally did everything. He was just in pure isolation mode, either floating it or draining threes. Um, he was hardly passing the ball. It was like he took the onus uh, to, to win the game because no one was really helping him. Yeah. It was all Trey Young. It was an impressive display, but it was also magnified the larger issue that he doesn't have enough help. Especially, it also magnifies how important Clint Capella is to this basketball team. Yeah, against these first two games against Miami. Like, Miami, number one seed, obviously it wasn't going to be easy, um, but they're they're just a great, they're a great team. They're kind of like the 2015 Hawks. I feel yeah. like I mean Jimmy Butler's a bit of a superstar, yeah, in general. But they just play lockdown defense, and they not got ha- your boy Dwayne Dedman. Oh yeah, Dedman was crushing us last night. Yeah, um, but they just play awesome defense. They good team basketball. They have multiple different scoring options, and they have a deep bench too. That little Tyler Hero is a great player, um, and just really sparks that second unit. But I still think we're gonna win either one or two at home. After what I saw last night in game two, like it was, we played pretty damn good defense, actually. We made adjustments from game one. Trey, Trey was playing a lot more off ball than in game one when he was playing on ball the entire time. Bogey got it going last night. Um, I still don't really like Trey off ball. But you I have, know why you do You it. have to mix it up. But the problem is that he doesn't do anything off ball, really. He just stands there at the three-point line. And that's this entire team's fucking yeah. problem, is that they all, st- if you don't have the ball, they stand around. But it's with, either they'll move the ball really well, 
or um, but you know, no, or, or or they don't, and someone just jacks up a three. No one bangs in the post. No one drives. It's incredibly frustrating basketball to watch. Well, him being off ball does create more opportunity, open looks for other people. It like does. Game game one, there were no open looks for but anybody. But he could move more off the ball. Yeah, I mean that's not his forte, obviously. Well, but I, yeah, it, it's not. But it's frustrating. Yeah, Bogdanovich played a brilliant game last night. Twenty nine points, fifty percent from three. He he kept us in the game in the fourth quarter. But it's something like we had what nineteen turnovers. Yeah, lots of turnovers, sloppy passes. Um, and, and no one wants to bang, man. No one wants to go inside. No one wants to create high percentage shots. Well, who can't? Like, it's an injured John Collins. And he played his ass off last night. Say what you will about John Collins for not playing for almost a month. He was terrible in game one, which was expected. Game two, he has 13 and 10. Um, it's not like world-beating numbers, but he, he, he gave his all. He's still suffering from his giganticism in his finger, and his, his feet are still giving him problems. He's still going out there doing his thing, doing his best. I mean, we got to hope against all hope that Capella can come back Friday. Yeah. I mean, they said he's going to be reevaluated. When was that game? That yeah. game was on Friday. He'd be reevaluated in a week. So I he, guess, yeah, that's a week. He was on the practice floor like yesterday. Yeah. So. I mean, that's a, that was a rough injury, too. I can't remember who fell into him. Someone fell into his knee. I think it was someone on the Hawks. And um, I'm just glad he didn't tear the damn ACL. That's what it looked like. That's what I thought happened. Dr. Graham. That's what Dr. Graham thought. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a wrist or an ankle, so it's harder to tell. Right. But, you know. Um, You're not an ACL expert. You not an ACL expert. Yeah. Wrists and, and ankles are, are my, my thing. But the, the fact that the Hawks kept it close in game two, like like I said, the game one, that was just a shitty situation having to like battle through those two playing games and then like come back two days later and play a 1 p.m. game. Yeah. Like that's like, I don't know. The NBA really screwed the Hawks on that one. It could have been a nighttime game. But they look they clearly made adjustments going into game two. They looked a lot better. They could have stolen it. Like it was like four points. Oh, yeah. They definitely the could have stolen it. Uh, I think at home at the State Farm with the boys from Atlanta's own showing up in the arena. Yeah. Finally going to Hawks game. I went to one. No, I said I am. Oh, you are, yeah. You haven't been to a Hawks game since like twenty. Probably twenty nineteen. Definitely pre yeah. pre pandemic for yeah. sure. Um, so I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm glad we got the tickets. You know, it's a Friday night. It'll be a fun fun time yeah. down there. It'll be electric energy. Oh, yeah. I think, you know. And I think we could steal one or at least two from, I mean, I think we could steal one, if not two from them. I think we can definitely win one. I still think overall in the series, we will not win. Uh, it's just it's just not going to happen. It would take a Herculean effort or Jimmy Butler would have to get injured I think for us to be able to win the the series and also you know the Hawks are just shooting like such dog shit honestly um especially in that first game I mean I know the first game was kind of like bullshit but I mean there was a period of time when they were like two of 16 from three um it's it's uh it's just tough sledding man no one can really create their own shot a lot of forced threes um DeAndre Hunter has kind of disappeared again. You know, the DeAndre Hunter in the Charlotte game got 16 points in the third quarter. He was banging in the post, getting offensive rebounds, being a dog on defense. Haven't seen that guy, really. The referees were also a little... Um, obviously, playing the Heat is, is harder than playing Charlotte. I mean, is, yeah, that, that's right. <laughs> the referees were also bullshit last night. I think on both sides. They, I mean, they called... I think there's a combined, like, 
60 or 70 fouls called or something insane. Which is crazy because I feel like they generally let them play a lot more in the playoffs. Yeah, there were so many calls that was like on both sides. I was like, what What the fuck is that a foul? Yeah. Um, That was frustrating. So then that also let Jimmy Butler get more open looks because Herter and um, Hunter couldn't be as aggressive because they were in foul trouble. But then again, we just don't play good defense. It's just common knowledge at this point. I think for the Hawks to win either one of these games or both of them, I like DeLon Wright to get more minutes because I think he's playing pretty solid defense. Led the team with two steals last night. I know that's not like a world-beating number, but it was still nice to see. Um, he was getting in people's faces. He was being kind of a dog defender. And I think Bogdanovich needs to start as well. I know he runs really well with that second unit. But I think he's playing better defense than Kevin Herter. He's shooting better than Kevin Herter right now. Um, he, I think he, I mean, he still gets a lot of minutes. He's still got 29 minutes, but he needs to get more. He needs to be with that starting five yeah, unit. 40 minute night. Yeah, everybody yeah. needs to play 40 minutes. Everybody who's worth a shit needs to play 40 minutes. There's, there's literally, this, this is put up or shut up time, do or die. You can't be, you can't be monitoring anybody's minutes at this point. But we as fans, Graham need to go into Friday night's game as an opportunity to just have a fun night out. We're not going to let it, what the Hawks do, uh, affect our moves. No, and you can't expect... We're not going to go into Falcons lost the Super Bowl depression no, if we lose game No, three. you can't expect a eight seed to beat a one seed. It hasn't happened in a long time. And we've watched this Hawks team all year. Been very disappointed by them all year. No, we should be better than an eight seed, but it is what we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are what we are, and... You can't go into it exactly expecting the world from this team. But you can go into it, you know, cheering your heart out and supporting your team as hard as you can because I think I said this, or I imagined it. So if I said it already, I apologize. But the Hawks are 17-3 at home since January. So You've not said that. That's a great stat. Yeah, so there is a true home field advantage right now at State Farm Arena. Trey Young has commented on saying... Commented on saying... Trey Young has said that, you know, the energy... And the uh, the arena this year has been fantastic, and I think it's going to be even more obviously more so in a, in a playoff environment. We're also going to get a shirt. We're going to get some some new shirts. So I can. We don't have seats though, so. Ooh. But we'll get there early, so we'll just maybe take, we can swipe one, we'll swipe just, a few. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the play. Yeah, yeah. Swipe a few, um, and you know, I'm sure it'll be a big red out. I'll be wearing my shitty John Collins shirtsy. Thank. I still have my white Joe Johnson jersey. That might be worth wearing. I might wear that. Yeah. We should just hire Joe Johnson as like a coach or something. Or hell, maybe sign him. Wasn't he signed by somebody this year? Yeah, he played for like the Nets for like two games. Put him out there. He would fit right in. Or the Celtics. He was, you know, stationary three-point shooter. It's like the, this entire team. Uh, one guy that needs to get going also to win game three is Gallinari. He had a good game one. He did, but he was trash in game two. Yeah, can't um, have that. Two points. Made Oof. no no field goals. Only Oof. got his only points from the free throw line. So, if he did okay, we win that game. Yeah. yeah. If he scores his customary 12, 16 points, he win that game. So well, That makes me sad. Yeah. So, we'll see what happens, Adam. It's going to be a tough sledding. But I also don't think Jimmy Butler is going to go off for 45 points again. But then again, Bogdanovich might go off, not go off for 29. So, it's... it's uh, we got to figure out also a way just to make sure Trey, and this was an improved performance from him for sure, but what else can we do to get Trey going? I don't know, but he's going to need a 40-point 
game here, I think, for us to oh, yeah. to, to win. Yeah. Which ain't easy to do against the Heat. No. Kyle Lowry is a pretty good defender. He's a, he's a pest. And they're doing a great job of trapping Trey when he does have the ball. And I think Trey's just going to have to get rid of the ball sooner when those trap situations and move more off the ball. And we're just not doing the pick and roll really anymore. I know John Collins is banged up and we didn't have Capella, but it's like that is such a huge part of our offense. That sets up everything. You do that pick and roll, you got the option of you get three options when you do pick and roll with Trey Young. He can either drive into the paint and do a floater, drive in the paint and do a lob, or drive in the paint and kick it out for a three. It's like when you aren't doing that, we're already a pretty one dimensional team for the most part in terms of like we have all these shooters. That you know, but when they're able to be freed up because of the the movement that Trey creates, you know that's when the offense really gets going. When you're not doing that, it's a flat ass offense. So I guess the other thing to take out of this is maybe Okongwu isn't ready to step into Capella's shoes yet. No, I think we all jumped the gun a little bit and maybe undervalued <clears throat> Clint Capella. Yep. Just like Dansby, people are doing with Dansby and Arcia right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, RC is not a three sixty eight hitter. Maybe hitting that well right now. But oh yeah, sure. He's not a guy you can really rely on. I would say long term to be, you know, that dude. But he is in a stretch right now, for sure. Um, and hopefully Dansby can actually get some base hits. So for us to win Game Three, I think Okongwu, if, assuming Capella's not playing, Okongwu's got to go off for twenty somehow. We need to get Okongwu going. Get Okongwu going in those pick and rolls. It feels like whenever we do a, a pick now, it's a very passive pick. No one's really laying out anybody. Not to say you got to push someone down, but no one's really, um, you know, really stopping their defender. It's like they just do it to do it, and let's they get, move out of the way. Let's get mad. Let's get some yeah, technicals. Get get angry. Someone get ejected. Yeah, someone who isn't important. Like TLC should get ejected. TLC yeah. should go out there. And do like a moving screen and just knock the shit out of Jimmy Butler. What about uh, like Kevin Knox? Start Kevin. Kevin Knox. Knox. Yeah. How about he, he went off for what like twelve points in like five minutes of game one? Yeah. Maybe this is the Kevin Knox game. DMP coach's decision last game. Yeah, well, you know, he must suck, but he's, got, <laughs> but he's also I think I think he's got potential in there. Maybe. But probably not the time to figure it out. Anyway, I think we've exhausted our, our, our ability to talk about this uh, this basketball team at this point. They have not captured our hearts yet. No. It's been, I mean, we're in the playoffs, and still, for whatever reason, they're just missing something. Some spark. They don't seem like a team. Yeah. Well, it's funny. They talked all year. That's the last thing I'll say. They talked all year about how it's hard to get up for regular season games. I would argue they haven't really gotten up for a playoff game either. Well, they, they got up for the playoff, the play-in games. Like play-in games, going yeah. Going to Cleveland and winning that game—that's no small feat. No, but that was also like totally the Trey Young show. They played horribly in the first half. That was a comeback job. Yeah. Um, but against Miami, even though they played better in that second game, I still had—I I have not seen the fearlessness, the swagger, and the uh, sort of composure that we saw against like Philly last year. I haven't seen that at all. I've seen a team that's just, once again, kind of going through the motions. Some guys are playing better than others, but as a unit, as a squad, they do not feel, they feel like they're playing scared. They really feel like they're playing scared, particularly 
well, on both sides of the ball. They're not, they're not closing out the defenders. They do a horrible job of rotating off screens. Like it's just it's it's really pathetic to watch. You know, if you compare our screen game right now compared to the Heat's screen game, it's just the Heat's is very effective and creates open opportunities. Ours does nothing. They, they, they we are not doing anything with our screens right now. So, fortunately, Graham, they haven't lost with me in the building in about four years. There's a reason for that. So yeah, tomorrow should be great. Tomorrow should be great. Either way, it should be fun. Don't right. really, don't really have any Falcons news, Adam. Draft is next week. Draft is next week. We have no idea who we'll be taking. We have no idea about any of these players. Once again, we are uh, devoid of, of knowledge. It's going to tell us draft. a lot. We'll do some research once the draft happens. Yeah, once the draft happens, of course. Yeah. But, yeah, it will tell us a lot about what Fontenot thinks the future of the franchise is. If he takes a quarterback initially, he's an idiot um, to me. And I lost almost all faith in him. If he starts building the trenches, I'm going to be very interested. I'm going to I'm going to be really interested in the season. If he takes a quarterback, he's doomed that quarterback's career. Doomed. Without a doubt. In my opinion. You sound like there we go. In my say, opinion. You sound like Bill Plaschke over here taking a sip of your water after saying a definitive statement yeah. of which you have no knowledge of. I have no knowledge of, but I just feel like with how bad this team is, you will destroy a, a quarterback's um, sort of middle fortitude with how shitty that offensive line is. Did you see Marcus? No Mar- receivers. Did you see Marcus Mariota going up against um, Kyle Pitts and voluntary OTAs? That's cool. Sprinting with weights on their backs? No. Pitts kicked his ass. Of course. Yeah. Pitts is like a freaking, has, you know, it's like six or seven years younger. I could see Mariota, like, being good enough to win us, like, seven games. I don't think seven. I think the roster is worse than it was last year. You won seven games with Matt Ryan. He'll win. He will be lucky. Unless we have the best draft ever, we won't win more than four games, I don't think, this year. I think some of these wide receivers we brought in are interesting. Like Demir Bird? That's the, the dude that had a great season with the Patriots a few years ago, right? Sure. Uh, the, the dude from the Bengals. We, we, we brought in some guy from the Bengals, the David Carson, it's not Bengals T. fan. Yeah, it's not T. Higgins, is it? Oh, God, no. <laughs> no, but it's like a guy that was like before T. Higgins got there who like had one like really good season. Mm. So David Carson, Bengals correspondent, said, you guys got a good one. Treat him right. We don't even know his name, but we got a good one. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like a, a weird, uh, like, it's like a tic-tac-toe. Just like mix a bunch of players in, see what hits. I'm, I'm ready for football now. <laughs> I'm not at all. It would be a dark time if like the Braves have a bad season this year. And the, They're the, not the Falcons gonna... suck. And it just would be like, no. ugh. Uh, one Atlanta sports team has to be good. At all times. You can't have all three. Well, we have one in the playoffs right now. The Braves are going to be good. Yeah. Don't you worry, Junior. All right. Adam, that concludes our show. We want to thank everybody for listening. Hope you're doing well. And we will probably see you next week, I assume. Unless the world ends or, I don't know, something bad happens at State Farm Arena where one of us gets arrested. So, until then, rise up, (laughs) chop on, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitality soap. Hospitality soap.